Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Mount Olive. So where's Calypso? So on the way here, I was driving from Dunn and I passed through some place called Thunder Swamp. And I wrote that down. I'm going to remember that one. Thank you for uh, welcoming me. You don't know me. I'm a stranger to this house. I've never been in Mount Olive before until this morning. So thank you, Pastor Jeff. Can we all just take a big sigh of relief right now, just breathe in? How many of you are thankful that this pandemic is almost over? It's been a crazy year and a half. Has it been crazy here? It's been crazy where I live. It's been crazy all over the world. But uh, somehow in the midst of all this dark and depressing and discouraging news that we've been hearing for the last year and a half I believe Jesus is moving in the midst of it and on the other side of this dark time is another move of God do y'all believe that now I noticed when I drove in here and I noticed on the sign that I uh, the piece of paper that I had and it was describing your church you have the word Pentecostal in your name. So I'm assuming that everybody in here is kind of comfortable with that word. Uh, But that's what I actually want to talk to you about this morning. I want to ask you this question. Do you really want Pentecost? Now it's interesting that I'm the one talking to you about this because I did not grow up in a church that had the word Pentecost in its name. I didn't know what that word meant. I had never heard that term. I did grow up in a church. I grew up in a Baptist church. And I am very, very grateful for my Southern Baptist friends and my, and my Southern Baptist roots because those people taught me that Jesus is my Savior and they taught me to read the Bible and to believe the Bible. And they actually taught me if it's in the Bible, you should believe it. So I don't have anything negative to say about them. But in my church uh, growing up, uh, we did not talk about the Holy Spirit very much. I gave my heart to Jesus as a child. I was born again. And then I, I kind of think that my my understanding of the Christian life was you just get born again and then you just spend the rest of your life trying to stay saved. That was sort of how I was looking at things as a young man. And then something happened to me when I was 18 years old, which I'm going to explain to you in a minute. Uh, But first of all, I want to take you to a scripture, and if you would go ahead and and put that verse on the screen. Could we all just stand up for a moment, and I I want us to focus on these words from 
Acts chapter 2, uh, which is, is, this is from the sermon that the Apostle Peter preached after the Holy Spirit came and filled the first disciples with the Holy Ghost. Acts two sixteen through 18. It says, But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. You can be seated. I don't remember hearing those words when I was growing up in my church. We just really didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit, and maybe there was a sermon preached about it that I just ignored. That's very possible. Y'all know it's possible that things can be said in your church that you didn't hear. Somehow those words just went over my head. But when I was 18 years old, I met a lady in my Southern Baptist Church in Georgia who was very weird. <laughs> she was not like any Southern Baptist I had ever met. When she talked about Jesus, it was like she had just been in the car with him. And a friend of mine told me, because uh, I said, Why, what's with that lady? Why is she so strange? And he said, I don't know, but I heard she's something called a charismatic I had never heard of that term before. I thought it sounded weird. I thought it sounded like some kind of a disease or a back problem. <laughs> and so I went to this woman and I asked her, what was that all about? What does that mean to be charismatic? She was actually very evasive. She acted like she didn't really want to tell me there. I didn't know that our pastor had told her not to talk about this in the church. So she was being very obedient to the pastor but then she invited me to her home, so she was being very sneaky. <laughs> and it was in her home that she explained to me that there was a second experience in the Christian life after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I had never heard of that before. Uh, it was all new to me. I'll never forget when she said these words to me. She said, Lee, there is more. And I didn't know there was any more. And so she gave me a bunch of books. She shared some scriptures with me from the book of Acts and from the book of 1 Corinthians about the Holy Spirit. And I read those books and studied those verses for about a week. And then I decided I'm going to do this. And I went to my Baptist church in Atlanta on a Sunday night, 9 o'clock in the evening. Nobody was there. I sat down on the volleyball court behind the church and I lifted my hands for the first time because I had never ever seen anybody do that we worshiped like this and I lifted my hands and I said Jesus I want to ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit and then I just kind of went like this because I had read Acts chapter 2, it talked about wind, it talked about fire, it talked about flames. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had never seen anybody come to the altar of a church and have hands laid on them. I had never seen anybody 
you know, pray for another person for healing. I had never seen gifts of the Holy Spirit operate. But on that night, the first person I ever heard speak in tongues was me. And it was on Southern Baptist property. I still didn't know what a Pentecostal was, but I was one. And I am so grateful that Jesus did that for me. And I am still holding out, believing God that before it's all over, 16 million Southern Baptists in this country are going to get doused with the Holy Ghost. And I hope you pray for that. I hope that you don't think that you have a corner on this or that you own this because the Holy Spirit wants to touch every church in America. He wants to fill us. He wants to baptize us. He wants to engulf us in the flames of Pentecost. And he's going to do it again. But can I just remind everybody in here, this is what I came to tell you. Pentecost is always a surprise. When those disciples came into that upper room on that particular day, they did not hand them a bulletin. They didn't use bulletins. And it didn't say at 9 a.m. you will hear the sound of a rushing wind. And at 9.05 you will see tongues of fire appearing on your head and on everybody else's head. And at 9.15 you will speak in a language that you do not know. Jesus did not give them any indication of what was about to happen. All he said was, wait, and you're going to be clothed with power. And all the rest of it was a surprise. And every time there has ever been a move of God, every time there's ever been a new move of the Holy Spirit, it was always a surprise. And it always offended certain people, particularly the people who had been in the previous move. Folks, if we are praying for another move of the Holy Spirit, and let me tell you, this is what I believe. I believe unless we have another move of the Holy Spirit, our country is sunk. That is the only thing that's going to save us. It's not going to be politics. It's not going to be a government policy. It's not going to be somebody up there in Washington saving us. What we have to have is another outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the United States. I don't know if it will start here. I won't be surprised if it starts somewhere else in the world. But it's going to come here. And my prayer for you is that you will be ready, that your hearts will be ready for the surprise. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, He changes things. And the reason why I wanted to read this particular verse from Acts chapter 2 from Peter's sermon, he was quoting a prophecy from the prophet Joel that had been written 400 years before. And that prophecy was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, but every time the Holy Spirit comes in power, 
These same words apply now. And in the words that we read this morning from, from Peter and from Joel, it tells us about four things that are going to happen when Pentecost comes. And these are not the things that we always think about when we say Pentecost. Because if I say that word to you, if we say, what is a Pentecostal? You know, back before when I was a Baptist and I didn't know any of this, if I ever heard that word, Pentecostal, you know what that made me think of? It made me think of a hairstyle. (laughs) Or a dress code. But how many of you know that is not what a Pentecostal is? A Pentecostal is not wearing your hair in a bun. It's not a certain type of clothing. It's not a certain type of church service. Peter already defined what a Pentecostal is in this passage. We like to think about gifts of the Spirit. We like to think about tongues or healing or or supernatural gifts and I love all of those things I do all of those things and I love the goosebumps that we get when the Holy Spirit comes in the room but a Pentecostal is not just somebody who gets goosebumps there is something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes and if you want to have that word on your life and you want to have it in your church on your church sign my prayer is that you will walk this out and that these four things in this passage will be a reality for you. You want to know what they are? Number one, Pentecost always breaks the racial barrier. When those 120 disciples were gathered in that room that day, they were all Jews. They all looked the same. And then Peter gets up and says, hey, guess what? When the Spirit comes, all nations are going to get affected. Everybody, every color, every language, every culture is going to be impacted by this. And you're all going to be mixed up together. Hello? Are we excited about that? I hope we are because that's Pentecost. I hope we are because that's heaven. Because when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a Puerto Rican section and a Jamaican section or an African American section. We're going to all be together and that's why we're supposed to be here figuring that out here. I mean, the Apostle Peter is preaching this. I don't think, Pastor Jeff, that he really understood what was about to happen because just a few chapters later in the book of Acts, he hears a knock on the door. He's been in Caesarea. He's been praying on the roof, and he sees this big sheet come down and has all these animals that Jews don't eat. It's like a Cajun feast with crab and lobster and probably some possum. Maybe some stuff they eat down in Thunder Swamp. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit says, Peter, arise, kill, and eat. And, And it was blowing his mind. This is not what he was expecting. 
because he was a good kosher Jew raised by a good kosher Jewish mama who taught him what not to eat. And then God is saying, eat this. And then there's a knock on the door and these foreigners have come to the door and they say, we need you to come with us to the house of Cornelius who was an Italian. And Jews don't go to Italian houses. They were segregated in those days. But Peter knew that the Holy Spirit was leading him. And that's what I, I, I got to just tell us. You know, we, y'all, we, we have to be willing to adjust to the Holy Spirit. Don't get locked into your old ways. What your grandmama said was great, but some of what your grandmama said does not apply now. And so he goes to Cornelius' house. I, I wish we had a video of that. When he walked in the door and he probably smelled all the weird food that Italians cook. You know, they're at, back there cooking squid in the kitchen. And he walks in and there's these hungry people who have gathered to hear the gospel. And he begins to preach the gospel. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on those Italians and they began to speak in tongues. That's a surprise. That's Pentecost. Not just that people speak in tongues, but that Italians speak in tongues. That people on the other side of the tracks, people in different cultures who are not like you, that they also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive the salvation of Jesus Christ. Are we ready for that? Do we want that? And Peter didn't just go in there and preach and leave. The Bible says he stayed with them. He hung out with people who were not like him and it was blowing his mind. And he said in Acts 10, 34, now I realize that God does not show favoritism to any man. He loves us all. Now, this is a doctrine, but sometimes we need the Lord to make it real to us in a personal way. I want to show you a picture of my oldest daughter. This is Margaret. Margaret uh, went to Emmanuel College, which is an IPHC school in Georgia. And when she... uh, went there her first her freshman year she met this red-headed guy named Rick and they fell in love their first year and Rick came to me and said he had intentions for my daughter and I said well I, I will just let you know I have intentions for her too <laughs> and my intentions are that she stay in school and finish college before she gets married because I'm not paying tuition to you <laughs> and so they stayed dated all throughout college and then they got married the weekend after graduation (laughs) but right after that they ended up working for Emmanuel and they led a mission team to the nation of Ethiopia uh, right after they were married and while they were in Ethiopia the Lord spoke to my daughter and said that they were supposed to adopt a baby from that country before they had biological kids. That's why she's holding this globe in front of her stomach. She was not physically pregnant, but they were spiritually pregnant with this promise, and they're holding their hands over the nation of Ethiopia. 
And so uh, they waited and they prayed and they spent a lot of money and it was a long, tedious process. But I want to show you in this next picture, this is my first grandson. His name is Grady, my last name. I wish that you could have been there when I brought this little black boy, my grandson, and I kind of presented him to my father in LaGrange, Georgia. My father's name was Jackson Lee Grady, named after two Civil War generals. And I stood there in LaGrange, Georgia, and presented this little black boy to him as his uh, great-grandson, and he adopted him into his heart, and we stood there, and I wept and said, this is the kingdom. And you can see that next picture. That's Grady today. And he's the love of our life. He's the joy of our lives. And it, is, it has expanded our understanding of the kingdom of God. And I love taking him into the, into the grocery store in LaGrange. And people giving us these looks trying to figure this out. <laughs> it's like, is that his dad? Is that his granddad? Who, who, who is this? And then if, he ever sees, if they ever see his dad with red hair and a beard they're just even more confused but that's what the kingdom is supposed to look like the kingdom is so mixed up in a way in a good way that it should cause people to look at us and go what is that and should put a curiosity and a longing because how many of you know we all deep down we long for there to be harmony and love and unity and peace in this world So, if you're a Pentecostal, that means you don't have permission to be plain vanilla. In your life and in your church. When I grew up in that Baptist church, it was plain vanilla. In the 70s in Atlanta, in our neighborhood, in our, our, the area where I live in Atlanta, plain vanilla. I worshiped with white people. And after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit... I don't know how this happened, but the Lord just directed me, and I ended up visiting a church on the other side of town that was all black. I was the only white guy in there. And I remember looking around, and I was watching how people were worshiping, and they were shouting, and they were dancing, and their hands were in the air, and they were clapping. And all I could say to myself was, where have these people been all my life? Because we don't have a corner on how you worship God. And we teach each other how to do this. And I'm so grateful for my black brothers and sisters who who have helped me understand how to get free to worship. Even if you're Pentecostal, you can be bound. Amen? That's another sermon. So the first barrier that Pentecost breaks is the racial barrier. And I want to challenge you, Mount Olive. We need to do everything we can to break through that. 
That's God's desire for you. Number two, get ready for a surprise. God breaks the gender barrier. Because in that passage that we read from Joel, it says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. When those uh, disciples were gathered together in the upper room on that Pentecost day, the Bible says that flames of fire came down on every head. And it was not a pink flame on the women and a blue flame on the men. It was the same Holy Spirit fire blazing on the heads of everybody in that room, including the many women who were there. Pentecost's origins, there were women. And, and that, when it says your women will prophesy, it doesn't mean they're just going to raise their hand and give a little word. It means your women will preach. Y'all didn't say that loud enough. Especially the women. Your women will preach. Now, in, in you know, American Christianity, this gets a little scary. Because we're, we're worried about this. We're just not sure if this is right. And we want to, maybe sometimes people throw out one or two verses that have been misused to clamp down on the gifts of God in women. I want to just show you a couple of pictures real quick. I don't know if you've ever heard of Catherine Booth, this lady in the bonnet. She used to stand on the streets of London preaching the gospel and, and, and drunkards would get saved and she and her husband, William Booth, founded the Salvation Army years before women could ever vote. And she would stand on the street corners in that black dress and that black bonnet preaching the gospel. If you go to the next picture, you'll see Amy Simple McPherson, who was a preacher in the Assemblies of God in the 1920s. She would go all over the United States, set up a tent, preach, and people would get healed, leaving their, their crutches and and their wheelchairs behind, and then she went to Los Angeles in the 1930s and started what we would now call a mega church, Angeles Temple. And as a result of the growth of that church, she started a whole denomination, a Pentecostal denomination, that is called the International Church of the Four Square Gospel, which is all over the world today. She was an incredible preacher of the gospel. And then you see Catherine Kuhlman there, who was used by God in the 50s and 60s. She was a healing evangelist that used to fill up stadiums and churches all over this country. And she, you, you can see in that picture she's laying hands on somebody, but normally she didn't lay hands on people. She would just stand in this altar and, and, and warmth would come over people and, and, and they were getting healed in their seats and getting up and running to the bathroom and taking off body casts because the Holy Spirit was healing them. Do you think maybe we could use that today? And it's not just women from the past. This lady over here on the, on the left, that's my friend Natasha. She's a Russian lady. She lives in Moscow. She's already planted 350 churches in Russia. Most of them in Siberia, in the coldest part of Russia. She's in her 50s. She's not married. I asked her if she wanted to have a husband. 
I said, I'll set you up. I know some guys. She said, I would love to have a husband, but he's going to have to be willing to go with me to Siberia. And so far, she hasn't had any volunteers. And that lady is Naomi Dowdy, who is a leader in the Assemblies of God. She was a young missionary. Her denomination asked her to take a church in Singapore that was dying, only had 35 people. She took that church. She began to pastor it. And when I met her several years ago, the church had already grown to 5,500 people. Today, that church has 8,000 people. She has retired. She, she raised up a male pastor to take her place, and she still travels the world teaching pastors and leaders how to grow their churches. One time I was in China, and I was with leaders of the underground house church in China. And by the way, the greatest revival on planet Earth right now is there. 35,000 people get saved every day in China. And these, I, I noticed when I looked around the room that it was almost evenly divided, men and women, and it was not husbands and wives. And I found out that today about half of the church planters in the underground Chinese church are female. And a lot of them are young women who run around that country. They end up being chased by the government. They're persecuted. They're thrown in prison. And while they're in prison, they lead people to Jesus. One lady I met was put in prison for six months, and she, and she led 33 women to Jesus in the prison. Wherever they go, there's revival. And I'll never forget when I met those women, and I thought, if they came over here to America, and if they went to our seminaries, some of them would be told, well, you can't really do that. God doesn't use women to do that. I'm so glad they didn't come here. But we need our women to be raised up like that. There is too much work to do, folks, right now for half of the church to be walking around with their hands tied behind their backs. We've got a harvest to reach. And my prayer for you, Mount Olive, first Pentecostal holiness church. If you are a Pentecostal church, your women will prophesy. Your women will carry a flame on their heads. Amen? I am sure that's already happening here, but I just want to warn you that it's going to get better. I started to say worse. It's not going to be worse, but all of us are going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit's anointing. Amen? And some of you may be going, I don't know about this. Folks, this is Bible. This is Pentecost. This is Book of Acts. Do we want the Book of Acts? Or do we want just some version of Pentecost that we created? Later, I believe we're going back to the original plan. Amen. Number three. The generational barrier is always broken by Pentecost. That scripture that we read, it says, Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This thing, we don't have a... It's not one generation having a corner on this. 
If you are truly Pentecostal, there will be lots of young people coming up in the ranks. The, your, your children's ministry will be full. The infant's ministry will be full. The teenager's ministry will be full. And that means all kinds of living creatures in your church. Because if you're going to reach the teenagers of today, that's why we, we, we have that verse in the Bible that says, preach the gospel to every creature. Because some teenagers today look like creatures. <laughs> they don't look like you. Are you okay, Mount Olive? If some weird-looking kids end up in here with every kind of tattoo or whatever, and let's just don't go just preaching to them about tattoos because it's going to be expensive to get all those washed off of them. Hello? What we need to do is focus on changing them on the inside. And they are going to be reaching their generation. I'm telling churches all over America these days, you better get ready and you better start reaching the next generation, folks, because I want to know what is this church going to look like in 20 years. If you don't have young people, you're not going to be here. Hello. Hello. Look at this picture here. I was in a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, just, uh, I think it's five years ago, on a Sunday morning. At the end of the service, I gave an altar call for people who needed the Holy Spirit to touch them, and I gave a couple of words of knowledge. And uh, people came up, they were lined up across the front, and there was this young African-American guy right in the middle of them, pretty tall. I started going down the line, I was laying hands on them, and just praying and prophesying and I got to him and I prayed for him and then I kept going down the line and then I turned and looked and I noticed that he was flat on his back and he was obviously the Holy Spirit was working on him I didn't know anything about him so everybody else got up and went to their seats and he was still laying there and then the pastor got up and he dismissed the service and everybody went out in the foyer and started drinking coffee and this guy was still on the floor. So I just decided to sit down next to him and just kind of wait until he woke up. How I many of you know sometimes the Holy Ghost just takes over and, and he just does some surgery? So finally, this kid, he kind of was dazed and he sat up and he looks at me and he goes, Wow! And I said, yeah, wow, yeah, that's right. What, what happened to you? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, is that what you call being filled with the Holy Ghost? I said, must be. What happened? And, and he told me that he had had a pornography addiction, and that was why he came to the altar, because I had mentioned that somebody in the room had that. And, and he basically gave his life to the Lord that morning, but Jesus also just filled him with the Holy Ghost. He just got it all, all at once. Got delivered of porn, saved, and baptized in the Holy Ghost all on a Sunday morning. That would put you out, right? And then I said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Dante Lee Grady. And I'm going, What? And he said, yeah, it's really weird. He says, I've never been to this church before. 
and the preacher had my name. And so, of course, that kind of bonded us real quick. And so we became, we became buddies, and I gave him my number, and we started uh, staying in touch. And, and this is Dante here, and he's become like a son to me. He's been on like eight ministry trips with me. He's now the youth pastor of that church. And when that happened that morning, I went home. I'm like, Lord, what, do you want to say anything to me about this? This is unique. I've never had that experience before. It's not, it's not every day you, you know, lead somebody to Jesus and they have your name. And the Lord said, yes, I want you to know how intensely I desire to multiply you. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody you disciple is going to have your name. But he wants younger people being mentored and discipled through your life. And folks, that's what we've got to do. The church has got to shift gears and we have got to listen to the Holy Spirit because right now there's an alarm bell sounding in America. There's an alarm going People in this country are in danger. They are being preyed upon by the enemy. Have you noticed how much confusion has been unleashed in this younger, fatherless generation. Why are they so confused? Instead of us criticizing them for that, how about we step up to the plate and be the fathers and mothers that they need? Thank you. And your pastor Jeff told me this morning about how he grew up somewhere near here in a rough environment. And I would imagine that your family environment was probably a bit troubled. And somebody, your pastor, stepped into his life. And now look. Folks, that is supposed to be a model of what you as a congregation are called to do. I'm prophesying this over you and over this church that what God did in your life is what he wants as an agenda for this church. That he wants you as a father and mother generation to go out and sweep up into your arms these troubled ones, these fatherless ones, these motherless ones, these confused ones who are not all going to be of one racial background either. Hello? And that you're going to nurture them. Your life is going to be disrupted by this. Pentecost will ruin your schedule. Hello? I hope you're okay with that. The last barrier. I'm going to skip that last picture and I'm just going to go to this. Number four is the economic barrier. In that passage... Peter read from Joel, he said, even your bond slaves, both male and female, they will prophesy. The the poorest of the poor, the people who are at the bottom of the economic social strata are going to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ and they are going to prophesy. They're going to be raised up. Hello? Is that okay? Are we good with that? 
Are we good with maybe shifting gears and making sure that the poor are our priority? Because the Lord said, don't just have the rich people sitting on your front row. He said, I want you reaching everybody. And I have many testimonies of how that has worked for me, but I want to just tell you this last testimony, and then I want to pray for you. I want to show you this picture of my friend Mahipal. So I live in LaGrange, Georgia. I live near exit 14 off of Interstate 85, and I was driving in my car from my house just to town, and I stopped at a gas station, a marathon gas station. This was early 2020, and I ran inside to get some water or something, and when I got to the counter, I noticed that the man who was behind the counter at the cash register had a very thick Indian accent. And I don't know how that is around here, but if you've noticed, a lot of Indians work in gas stations. They also run hotels in America. So I said to this guy, hey, where are you from in India? And he looked at me very shocked because he didn't know why I knew he was from India. And he said, how did you know I was from India? <laughs> I'm like, well, I've been there a few times, and uh, I know it pretty well. I said, what city are you from? He said, I'm from Hyderabad. And I said, oh, I have friends there. And, and then he was just, he was, he was glued to me. He couldn't believe this. He was so intrigued how somebody from LaGrange, Georgia, would know Hyderabad. And so I, I knew the language that he spoke. I, I said, you speak Telugu, and he couldn't believe that. And so we just began this friendship. Ended up, next time I came, I made an intention to stop again. And we sat down at this little table over uh, by the video poker machines. And we had a bigger conversation, and he wanted, he wanted to know more about my life. He wanted to know more about my, my ministry, my organization. We had these conversations, and it wasn't long before Mahipal opened up to me and said, you know, that he was a, basically he was a nominal, he had been raised in a Christian environment, but he knew that he had never been born again, and he asked me about what that was about, and I explained to him what that was about, and he said that he wanted to do that, and so I prayed with Mahipal right next to the video poker machines to get saved. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And then the pandemic started. My travel schedule was, was ruined. Everything was canceled. I'm home. He's an essential worker. And so guess what? Every morning I go to his uh, gas station. We sit down by that table. We've got the book of Mark or the book of John. I'm discipling him. And, and he's growing in faith, and that was just church. We had church in the Marathon gas station every morning. And then he asked me about baptism. He said, uh, you know, what, what is that, and, and when do you do that? And I said, well, you need to be baptized because you've given your life to Jesus. And so all the churches were closed, but I have a, a, a friend who's pastor of a Pentecostal church in my city, he was willing to open up his church. He filled up the baptismal tank. And there in this next picture, you can see that Mahipal, uh, it was a gorgeous day. We had the whole, the whole auditorium was pretty much empty. We had 10 people. I invited 10 friends 
to come. They were scattered all over the, the room with masks on. And Mahipal stood in that water and declared that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only God, and, gave, and, and was baptized in water. And then I discipled him some more. And then finally, because he's, he had a wife and some kids at home and he, he got convicted by the Holy Spirit that he needed to go home and take care of them. He, was, he had been just working and sending money home to them. And so uh, we figured out a way to get a flight for him. He flew home to India. And this is the craziest part is that he, he told me where he lived in Hyderabad, and I said, well, I have preached in one church in Hyderabad before. It's an Assembly of God church, and I know the pastor very well. And I said, uh, let's figure out if that's anywhere close to you. And he looks up the address of the church. It turns out he lived 10 minutes from that church. And you can see in this last picture that this, this is Pastor Rao in the... Uh, Sharon Assembly of God Church in Hyderabad, India and now Mahipal is in that church he's a, he's a born again spirit filled believer and he told me uh, and, and we talk all the time uh, texting and his, his dream is that when this pandemic is over and they have the freedom to, to meet without restriction he's going to have a big banquet at his house he's going to invite all of his Hindu friends and he's going to share his testimony of how he met Jesus in Georgia. Amen. And folks, if you've ever been to India or if you know anything about India, there are people in that country who are so poor and they've been put down so much by the culture that they are called untouchables. They are called, uh, basically they're not even called human beings. And yet, in India today, thousands and thousands and thousands of these untouchable people are coming to faith in Christ because they found out that Jesus touches lepers and that he loves the people at the bottom. Amen. Amen. That is what it means to be a Pentecostal, to reach out to the very bottom and pull those people up. And many times I have thought, what if I had gone in that gas station that day and I had been so busy and so distracted and so consumed with what I was doing that when I heard that man talk and I heard his Indian accent, it would have been so easy for me to just run out of that store and ignore that. But the prompting of the Holy Spirit told me, you need to say something to him. And that led to a conversation that led to a salvation. Praise the Lord. Mount Olive. Could we all just stand right now? I want you to just close your eyes and would you just ask the Lord right now to prepare your heart for what he wants to do, the new thing that he desires to do in your life and in the life of this church because I declare over you today that there are surprises coming 
I declare of you that it is not going to be just business as usual. That the Lord is going to interrupt you. He's going to step in. He's going to intervene. And he's going to shift and change things. Because he wants this place to be a house of his presence and power for this new day and this new season. And right now he's saying, get rid of anything that's encumbering you. Get rid of anything that's keeping you restricted. There's like vines and roots and there's things growing that are really like, they're really dead. And God says, I'm going to use this pandemic time to prune my church. And I'm going to prune you, Mount Olive. I'm going to prune you, not because I'm against you, not because I'm mad at you, because I love you. I'm going to prune you that you may bear more fruit. I declare fruitfulness over this house. I declare that the spirit of barrenness is broken. And anything toxic that would poison or restrict or hinder the birth of the new children, that it will be neutralized in this season that I might bring forth my fruitful plan for you. I did not place you here in this spot just so you would tread water, just so that you would stay in the same place or walk around in circles. I have put you here that you might advance and that you might take territory. And Pastor Jeff, the Lord says, there is a spirit of Joshua upon your life that you have been raised up that you might give the people possession of the land. And you are going to have downloads from heaven about what needs to shift and change in order to bring this house into total fruitfulness. I feel like we're not finished, but I'm going to I'm just going to mention that I'm preaching in the second service. We're going to have more time at the altar. It's already time for us to dismiss. I do want to say that there is an older man in this room today. The Holy Spirit laid you on my heart as I was driving here today. There's an older man. You've been with the Lord for a long time, but right now you are in shutdown mode. You just kind of decided you're tired of fighting. You, 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 you deal with a lot of shame about some issues from your past. And you just closed down and you've just been going through the motions. And God wanted me to tell you that he wants to open you back up. He wants to revive and restore. He wants to restore relationships. And he wants to give you the robe of righteousness and that you might understand that God's not mad at you. But he's called you his son and he wants you to enjoy what that means. But you need to acknowledge your brokenness and you need to come to his throne and you need to throw yourself on him and let him begin that work of transformation. I don't know who that is. I'm not going to embarrass you in the midst of this meeting. If you want to come talk to me between the break, that's, that's 
would be wonderful. I'm going to ask the prayer team to go ahead and come down here. And I'm going to dismiss you and I'm going to invite Pastor Jeff to come up. If there's anybody here this morning that you would just say, I know I'm stuck. I feel like I'm in a dry place. I feel like I'm in an unfruitful place. God wants to revive and strengthen. There's some people I think need to come and, and, and come back to the second service so that you can receive more ministry because we're not finished. But if you need to come down this morning, and there's also some people who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he wants to do that work in your life as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over you, and I'm going to invite Pastor Jeff to come and close us out. Can we all lift our hands to Jesus? Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Wherever your presence is, Lord, there's that brooding that happens, and there's that, that glory that comes that brings birth and brings new life and brings fruitfulness. And I'm praying today, Lord, that you would hover over us and that you would bring your holy fruitfulness. Those who have been barren, Lord, that they would fall on their faces today and receive the fresh wind of the Spirit, the breath of the Spirit. Come, Holy Ghost, and change us and transform us. I thank you, Lord, that what was old will be new again. And God declares, prepare yourselves for for the old to be set aside and for fresh new wind and new songs and new names and new identity and new understanding and new revelation and new power. Expect the new to come, Mount Olive. Because I will help you set aside that which has held you back and you will embrace the new wind of my spirit. In Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God. And I know we have heard a word from...